Well, hi everybody and welcome to Rob Evans 365. It's day number 569 and you can probably tell I'm driving in the car right now. I'm actually driving into the city. It's Sunday, Sunday morning and I've got a, an important meeting to attend to in the, media, in the city this morning. And um, my uh, other girls, I was going to say my ex-wife, doesn't sound very nice, does it? Um, the girl's mum, she has, uh, doesn't have to work this weekend. It's their year end and she didn't have to work. So um, she said, could she have the girls today? This is her dad's birthday and she wanted to take them to that. So um, otherwise I was going to have to bring them into the city to this uh, meeting that I'm attending. Uh, but I didn't want to talk about that today. Today, what I did want to talk about is uh, the the nationwide uh, problem that we're having here right now. Um, the state that I live in, Victoria, um, the, the southeast of the state down Gippsland Way, which in perspective is really about two hours to three hours drive from from here, um, maybe four hours to the worst affected fire areas, but uh, the country is being ravaged by fire, and some some parts of the country have been on fire for, gosh, probably a month now. Uh, but we had a huge flare up on New Year's Day, and um, around then because we got the, the temperatures up around the the mid 40s in some parts, and really, really strong strong winds and I guess this is the nature of where we live I mean if you're listening to this and you're based in Europe or in a, a tropical destination or somewhere like that uh, then you don't have uh, bushfires that, that we do we have such a contrast in our weather and uh, people joke that and you've heard me talk about this perhaps before on the 365 that Melbourne where I live uh, we have four seasons in one day and it can be freezing cold at one point, it can be really hot the next, it can be cloudy and raining, and all within you know, 10, 15 minutes sometimes, we can get uh, such a dramatic change like that. And within the last week, we have had the, what's today? Today's the 5th of January, so New Year's uh, Day, was it? Or around then, we had temperatures that were in the, I think it got to 43 where I live, and really, really strong winds, which are their northwesterly winds, which make it really dangerous for uh, fires here because that brings the desert winds from the interstate. And uh, when they're really strong winds like that, and you get a fire started, then all the beautiful bushland and everything that we have around here uh, just goes up. There's so much fuel around here. This is one of the, the beautiful things about our country. We have so much uh, wonderful landscape, uh, but it also burns. And where I live, I don't live in the bush itself, uh, but within, uh, really, I can probably say three minutes, five minutes tops drive, I'm in the bush. And it's just been very, very dry. So uh, we've been lucky from the perspective that of there hasn't been any fires in, uh, what would I say, to the, the west of me and then travelling through to 
uh, the east because with those those strong winds that will fan into uh, our area and it's it's densely densely populated but what what often happens is some of these fires start and they can they go through town so quickly and I, I don't know what the numbers are at the time of recording this but New South Wales have been seem to have been hit the worst uh, but statistically wise I, I couldn't comment uh, there's been lives lost a number of lives lost and uh, the number of houses it's in the hundreds of houses that have been lost through Victoria through New South Wales and through Adelaide so those those um, uh, states all border each other now it's not like the fires have crossed from one to the other to the other they're in different parts of the state but certainly the New South Wales fires have crossed uh, crossed uh, down into Victoria and uh, uh, they were really worried about the, the storm issues the, like the firestorm issues yesterday particularly in New South Wales because they're having high high temperatures uh, there yesterday and um, it, they've deployed the military here which is a big a big call they've deployed I think two or three ships uh, with four, I think one ship's got 400 staff on it. Uh, they have a hospital on there, uh, 400 tons of uh, supplies. Because uh, down Gippsland way near me, there's a town called Malakuta, and I think they believe that that town's going to be cut off for three weeks. And there's been a lot of, I don't know where there's, I think there's been lives lost there, a couple of lives lost, uh, but uh, plenty of houses and people are just trapped. Now, to put this in perspective, Gippsland area is a holiday zone where people go camping and caravanning. To the extent that they had to evacuate 30 to 40,000 people over the fire period and not everybody could get out. So they've been stuck on beaches and things like that. And uh, they've had to, I know that uh, they'd evacuated over a thousand people uh, via ship, which is very, very rare. Uh, around to Western Port, uh, which I believe is a 20-hour return trip to then pick up some more people. Um, they, they've been talking about two-hour, uh, two three-hour waits for fuel and fuel stations running out of fuel and running out of water and, and um, just general supplies and so forth. Uh, so it's been, it's been very, very uh, traumatic for people. Um, like the loss of life is obviously horrible the loss of property is gut-wrenching and they've been I mean the, the fires are so bad that the the smoke is reaching New Zealand which is like a I don't know it's like a seven-hour flight or something uh, from Australia maybe I'm overstating that but you know for the the winds to be carrying the smoke that far is uh, mind-boggling in itself and the, like some of my, my friends from around the world are, are sending best wishes to Australia because of the devastation that's being reported, obviously, on a global scale. And they've said that, I, I'm not sure how they've worked this out, but obviously using some statistical numbers, uh, 500 million animals they believe have been lost during these 
all these fires because they've spread so fast. So we're talking about um, like slow moving ones. The birds are normally pretty, pretty clever and they will, obviously the ones that can fly, uh, will fly away from the, the heat and the smoke. Uh, but you've got things like your snakes and then you've got your, your cuddly things like our koalas and possums and some rare, some rare animals that just don't have that ability to get away and maybe some of them can burrow down uh, but things like your kangaroos won't be able to move fast enough necessarily and they get confused by the heat and the fire and the, the smoke and they, they pass away unfortunately. Um, so it, it is a very, very, very tough time and it made me reflect on uh, obviously how we can help and like if you're listening to me right now and you're, you're thinking of ways to help, I mean, I think what the calls that I heard yesterday were for things like people need fuel. Uh, people need uh, fuel for their generators so they can keep electricity going because electricity is being cut off. Like things like Wi-Fi, internet, phone coverage can be cut off as well. Um, uh, people need access to, to water. They need access to fresh food and and so forth. Often in times of these complete crisis, uh, cash is king, so people need cash to be able to buy supplies and, and, um, and that kind of thing. But there are also some things that during these times, obviously we've got uh, survival issues where people need water to be able to survive, they need uh, food. Uh, we have uh, so many different organisations around us that uh, do such a brilliant job there and I, I think the one thing that we do sometimes take for granted uh, I know I certainly don't but that mateship that they that we have in Australia um, is is truly truly fantastic and um, I'm sure it's a global phenomenon in some communities as well but if your neighbor is in, pro, in is in strife you step up and you help them help them out it doesn't matter what it is and uh, when that's a community that's in crisis, then the other people within the community, I mean, they, these small towns that get burnt out, they step up and they help help the people around them and they pull together and they're, they're very strong like that. And those that often their houses um, are sacrificed while they're helping other people because they're uh, firefighting volunteers and... Um, they're away defending other people's houses and they can go back and they can find their own houses have actually been destroyed. Uh, that must be completely heartbreaking. But there are many ways to be involved and we have organisations like the Red Cross, uh, we have uh, the Salvation Army, we have a number of community organisations that, that help out. Um, obviously it's been declared that part of the state as state of, of disaster uh, the Prime Minister has stepped up and they've dis deployed 3,000 uh, troops in the Defence Force plus the ships plus supplies to be able to help out in these communities where it's required. And uh, there are, are plenty of, I think, funds going around worldwide now uh, where you can contribute as little as $5 or just whatever you can contribute to help uh, rebuild these communities, help to keep them alive to start with and then to rebuild uh, down the track. It's a really, really tough thing. 
many years ago, uh, it was probably 2006 now, around that time, or the last time when we had really, really devastating bushfires in the same regions where they are right now. And I was a St John Ambulance volunteer. And during that bushfire season, so I had the opportunity to go out uh, on a couple of occasions just to help out because that's, what, that's all we want to do. When people are in crisis, you want to be able to help. And the question is, how can you most effectively help? And uh, a lot of the time, you know, they don't need more resources in terms of people down at these, uh, you know, fighting fires and so forth. Because there's only so much you can do in, in some of these areas. You, you can't do anything. You've just got to wait until the fire burns out. And you need to be appropriately trained to go to a fire front and things like that. So uh, you can't do that now. That has to be like a 12-month program where you need to get the training and all that kind of stuff. But there are other ways that you can help out, uh, whether that be probably the easiest way for people is to donate money. Now, if you happen to live in uh, the community, like I was deployed um, down to the Gippsland region uh, where there are fires, and I was stationed down there for about five days. And uh, it's like it's very interesting to see how all the organisations work together, like the professionals versus the volunteers versus the, um, the state government areas, and just watching them all work together. Uh, but I was in the situation where this particular day there were, um, they, it was, I was based in Omeo and they evacuated all those people that hadn't already left the area, they evacuated them to the staging area which was the Omeo, I might be getting the name wrong, of the football ground but I think it was like the Omeo football ground and it was kind of like, oh, imagine you're in a volcano and you've got the oval there but you've got around you the hills some, some distance off. And for the days before, like it was very smoky every day. Some days it would be smokier, but on this particular day they were forecasting it to be bad because the winds were picking up. And it was a day that I'll never forget because it went from being smoky and grey, so kind of like it is right now where I'm driving, it's very overcast and cloudy. It went from that to extra smoky to an orange haze to an orange glow, to a red glow, to pitch black in the middle of the day. And it was really, really creepy. And all you could see was the fire storm coming up over the back of the hills and into the tree line. And it was about to head down to towards us. Now, the worst case scenario for us at the staging area was they were going to get everybody into the middle of the oval. They had... I don't know, about 10,000 litres of water in this giant inflatable swimming pool type thing, and they were just going to douse us with water. And uh, we were fortunate in terms that the, the weather turned and it didn't come. But uh, what was remarkable about that was seeing um, all the people there, and we had a job to do. Our job was first aid, but it was also to keep people calm and I was given the task of uh, you know, going around giving people water just checking in on them uh, because no one had injuries and hopefully nobody was going to have injuries but over the course of the week we had people that were suffering from heart issues and so forth and we had to uh, call the ambulance to get them to deploy to 
uh, to hospital uh, to be checked out. We had people that were uh, obviously very anxious. We had people that were on medication and needed to make sure that they took their medication. And we had some people with some, um, some real mental uh, health issues that we had to keep effectively in dark rooms with no windows so that they couldn't see what was going on around them. And it was, it was a very unique experience. But what I found was people are terrified, they're fearful. They don't know what's going to happen to them there in the staging area, just like we didn't. But they also don't know what's happening to their houses, what's happening to their pets. Some of them brought their pets with them, some of them just didn't know what was happening to their properties. And um, I think one of the things that I realised there was we do think about those material things, but at the end of the day, as long as you're safe, uh, you can replace you can replace everything else, you can rebuild, you can make more money, you can do all those things, you can't get another life back. Uh, you, uh, this is a, a time to be making sure that you are adequately insured because uh, history shows us that notoriously the majority of people are underinsured and if you live in one of these bushfire zones these days, it's generally gonna cost probably about an extra 20 to 30% more because of the compliance issues that are now being brought into place by the, whether it be state or federal governments, for people that live in these high-risk areas. Uh, because uh, we're getting more and more of them, it seems. And look, you could have an argument around global warming or not. I mean, we've always had bushfires and some of these start with lightning strikes. But what we do certainly have is we have a more densely populated world and people are building in these areas that are high risk because they like the area, they think it's beautiful, which they are, but it comes with a high risk. So when there is a fire, there is more propensity for uh, asset loss and life lost because of those uh, situations. But I realized that you know if you can just spend some time with somebody that's in crisis and uh, talk about uh, some other things, distract them, uh, you know, to help them calm down in that moment of crisis, then uh, you're doing a good thing. And often when there is a, a disaster like this, which doesn't happen often, but when there are disasters, and around the world there are different ones, aren't there? There are tsunamis, there are floods, we have fires and floods here. Um, there could be earthquakes, there could be avalanches, uh, I mean, cyclones, tornadoes, hurricanes, you name it. And these days, uh, the way things are set up, it's, it's quite easy for us to, uh, to give money to help these causes. And I think, uh, I come from a perspective of, uh, give what you can, and if that's $5, then uh, excellent. You know, somebody will contribute uh, well, if I, uh, somebody will benefit from that. Uh, so if I think about $5, um, for me, I can go in locally and buy a, a slab of water, 24 bottles of water, for $6. So $5 and you're almost there. 
so that can be the difference between saving someone's life and not. It really can. So every every bit counts. But don't under underestimate how important it is to just reach out to somebody sometimes. And uh, some of the things as a first aider that I used to do was really the, the difference between talking to somebody and you just reach out and you put your hand on their shoulder or something and you just look them in the eye and say, do you know what, I'm going to look after you today or it's going to be okay, you're safe here, you're going to be okay. That can mean way more than just saying you're going to be okay. It's that something about that, that body-to-body a contact, that, that sense of touch, touch for people that just makes them realise that I, I need to feel that warmth from you right now and that, that can really make a difference in people's lives. And uh, It's an experience that I'll never forget. I know that that day uh, I touched the lives of hundreds of people. Um, I was, there was a lot of adrenaline that day and I, I wanted to be one of those people that made a difference to these people's lives. My house wasn't a threat at that time and all I had to give was there was no, no first aid that needed to be rendered but I could hand out water, I could talk to people, I could check in with people, I could make sure their pets were okay. And um, I remember uh, when I was deployed, uh, there was, I think there was four maybe first aiders there and they were looking for a volunteer to sit with this lady that was, um, she had some mental uh, health and anxiety issues and she was one of the people that couldn't leave the room and she was really distressed and nobody really wanted to, uh, to go in and sit with her and I said, well, what do you need me to do? And they said, well, th- these are our issues, etc. Uh, and I said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll go and do that. And I spent the time in there for about an hour and a half or so just talking to her, calming her down, and she had her pets with her, and just making sure that she was okay. And that made, really made a difference from her. We got through that crisis, and um, the next few days things settled down, and I was able to, to leave. Uh, so, um, you know, they, these are, are tough times for people, and, and it, do, it does make you realise that you have to think beyond yourself and you know we we tend to be materialistic humans we tend to be materialistic in terms of accumulating things but at the end of the day you can't take anything physically with you you can't and now depending on your spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs um, if you believe that your spirit will go with you then you can take all those experiences that you have with you but you can't take the assets with you and this is why I think it's important for us in times like these to just stop and reflect and think, am I giving enough of myself to others? Am I helping others grow? Do I have an opportunity to give more of myself uh, within my community? If I think about the things that, that I do, oh my goodness, there's a, I'm going to change lane. Oh, I said I was driving, there's a car driving very erratically, it's almost hit. The, there's a four-lane highway. It's almost hit the centre concrete barrier that's swerving from one side of the road to the other. Um, if I have to end this to call the police, I shall, but maybe they were just distracted on their phone. We'll see. 
they need to switch on their focus. Um, uh, yeah, if I think about the things that I, that I do, so I think we're up to around, it's around $250,000 that I've donated in my business uh, via a time, money, services to different causes. And um, like I like to support my local causes as well as I do international ones as well. Uh, but um, I, I support the cancer causes, anything that's to do with helping uh, people out. Um, I've done work with uh, Make-A-Wish. I'm passionate about helping our children. So the Make-A-Wish Foundation is a, a fantastic organisation. It costs them about $7,000 to grant uh, one wish, uh, which you might think, wow, that sounds like a lot. But we're talking, so Make-A-Wish Foundation is for those kids that are suffering from terminal illnesses. And often this can be the highlight of their life and then they pass away. So. Um, that must be devastating for the family and the idea is that it does uh, contribute to the family participating as well so it's not isolating the, the child from the family so um, that's a beautiful experience through my push-ups for charity uh, organization uh, we raised not over nine thousand dollars for that uh, which was really nice um, the other ones that that I like to do uh, which I'm really passionate about is helping on the prevention front rather than just a cure because if you're always if you're always looking for a cure you're fighting the, the wrong end of the battle so I say let's find some way to prevent these diseases and so forth to start with so again with the kids I'm very passionate about teaching our children how to eat the right foods so I have a free nutrition program that I deliver in schools and to be honest, haven't delivered it for a while now because for a couple of reasons. One, I'm so busy and I don't have the time. It's a free program, so I've got to find the time in my schedule to deliver it. But also, the school curriculum these days is so, so busy. Uh, the schools, a lot of the schools just aren't interested because they say, where am I going to fit this in? As important as the topic is, they're like, I see that it's a great cause, but we've just got no time in our curriculum. We're already asking teachers to do so much. And for me, I try and get into the schools by saying, look, it can be anything from a 20-minute presentation to an eight-week, uh, you know, once an hour, uh, once a week, once an hour a week uh, program. Uh, but still, it can be tough to get them in. But we've delivered that to, I think it's about 300 children now from early learning centres to preschools to primary schools and high schools. And uh, I just love talking to kids about the nutrition and getting them excited about uh, food. So if you want to check that one out, it's called uh, kidsmunchit.com.au. You can see what I do there. That's really exciting. But I only deliver it at the moment in local schools. And um, yeah, that's another one that I'm really passionate about. So I guess the message here today is think beyond yourself. Think about those that are in need. And because there are people in our community right now that need our help. And... Um, one of the things that I, I, I will mention this, so uh, obviously I partner with the Isagenics company, like an amazing organisation. I love their culture and I can't quote you the numbers, but one of the things that I know that they uh, did last week was they donated uh, their delicious supplements and so forth to the New South Wales firefighters to help support them during the firefighting quest. So I think that's an amazing, an amazing gift. Uh, to give them 
And so I think, think about how can you contribute to this current crisis? I'm sure if you, um, I can't tell you any of the, um, the web links off the top of my head here, but I'm sure if you Google um, donate bushfires Australia, something like that, there'll be some national funds that are set up. Um, if you want to donate more directly, then you could look at organisations like Salvation Army, you could look at Red Cross, uh, or just have a look at the, whether it's Victoria, South Australia, New South Wales, um, have a look in, in those areas and see where you would like to contribute. But just uh, have a thought for people that you may know that live in those areas and reach out to them. Um, and perhaps the easiest way to do that is on social media. Um, maybe it's to post them a private message or something like that, uh, just to check in and make sure that they're okay. Uh, normally most people will be posting on their social media to let people know that they are okay. Uh, maybe it's just sending them a quick, um, yeah, just wanted to check in and see if you're okay. Yeah, most people say, do you need anything? And look, let's face it, just about everybody's gonna say no, or they're gonna say, yeah, I need some fuel from a generator or something like that. Um, just just reach out with a, you know, a conversation perhaps and uh, just check in and make sure that they're okay because I've got, I've got friends and colleagues that have come close to losing uh, everything over this bushfire season but haven't. Uh, so let's just reach out to them because we're all humans and you know, whether you've got a disagreement with somebody or not, often in these times, uh, I know for me, like I'm not in this situation, but if, if I didn't like my neighbour and they were on fire, then I'd be going to stand by them and uh, put, the, put the flames out uh, because that's what we do. Because we're stronger together, we're better together, we can do more together. And everybody's human, everybody makes mistakes. And uh, I think this is one of the great things that we have as humans with our brains to say, do you know what, we can, we can make these choices and we can choose to work together and to, to make things better. Because remember that once all of the, everybody's still in crisis mode and the rebuilding beyond these fires can be really, really devastating as well because a lot of people can't get back to their houses yet. So they don't know, are their houses still standing? Some people for the first time see their house burnt to the ground by watching TV. And they see a helicopter has flown over and that's where their house was. And they can see it's been decimated. I mean, how gut-wrenching must that be? Uh, so this, this is going to take time. The fires will go out, but that's when the rebuilding starts. And that's when, if you like, this post-traumatic stress and the anxiety can continue. So we need to be there for our communities for a long time to come. Now in closing, this is again what I'll say about the contrast of today. The last few days, within the last week, we've had temperatures as high as 43. Today is gonna to be a top of 16. Now the good news is that it's raining consistently. Now I hope that it's raining consistently down in Gippsland to help and around Australia to help put out these fires. I've seen some images on, online of people, um, and the firefighters dancing for joy because of the, uh, the uh, well one, the cooler temperatures, but also the, uh, the rain. The rain's a double-edged sword for the firefighters because it can make things more dangerous and more slippery. Uh, but if it's enough, 
then it can, it can certainly have an impact. And for the whole time that I've been up this morning, um, it has been raining consistently here. So let's hope it's raining elsewhere and it's, it's making that difference. So I hope you have a great day wherever you are. Let's give some thought to uh, what's going on out there in our community and see how you can make a difference. And also, actually, in the final note, I'll say that's obviously what's happening here. Now, you've got your own communities wherever you are in the world. I know I've got people listening all around the world here. Maybe have a think about how can you help in your community? How can you make a difference to somebody? And like I say, it could be as simple as going to your supermarket today and you're buying something and having a, a five minute, I'm sorry, a five minute, it could be a five second, it could be a, a, um, a 20 second conversation with the sales assistant. Just giving them a smile, making them laugh, telling them a little joke or something like that, or just making them smile. Because you know what? That could be uh, your son, your daughter. Uh, it could be somebody that's going through a really tough time and nobody really understands what's going on. And all they need is somebody to say, do you know what? You're doing a great job here. One of the things that I did uh, a little while ago, in the gym where I train, there's um, she's an elderly lady that she does the cleaning in there. She cleans all the toilets, she does the vacuuming, she goes around and she vacuums in between the equipment and all that kind of stuff. And it's a, it's a thankless job, really. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I love cleaning and I, I love... Um, you know, seeing the end result and having pride in that. Uh, but I know that uh, people criticise her. Uh, I've seen some things on on Facebook where they say, get some professional cleaners in there, somebody that really knows what they're doing. And one day she was uh, just near me and I said, look, do you know what? I said, um, I know nobody probably ever says this to you, but I said, I want to tell you that you're doing a really great job. I mean, you've got such a big job here. And I said, I see people leave rubbish around and um, you know, I think, you know, why didn't you just pick that up and put that away? And, you know, you're doing a great job. I see you cleaning in and out the equipment. That takes so long. And just, like, I'm really grateful for you for doing that. And we got into a little bit of a conversation. And I'm sure it made her day. Now, whenever I see her now, I always just smile. I say hello to her. And uh, she's just always friendly and, and grateful. And the other thing that I also do when I'm in the gym, it's not my gym, uh, because mine's immaculate, but if I'm in there, like yesterday, I was doing a workout in there, uh, and the piece of equipment that I went, I went to a few different pieces of equipment. The first piece I went to, there's an empty drink container sitting on top of the equipment. And I, I picked it up and shook it and thought, oh, is somebody still using this equipment? They weren't, it was empty. And I thought, ordinary is that? How lazy are you? So I picked it up and went over and put it in, in the bin. And then when I went to use another piece of equipment, there's some wrappers. Now, one of them was a Snickers wrappers. Now, yeah, go figure. Um, and it wasn't a pro, like a high-protein Snickers one. It was just a Snickers thing. And they just left it there on the floor. And there was another one as well. And I, I picked it up and went and put it in the, the bin. Then I went to the next piece of equipment. And then there was another wrapper there as well in a drink container. And I went, I picked it up and put it in the bin. And uh, there was weights, a weight tree that was all out of order and it was missing weights and stuff. And I, I reordered it. I put the 
um, the weights that were on the wrong tree onto the other tree. It was the other end of the gym. But just simple little things that make a difference. It makes a difference to that cleaner's life. It makes a, a difference to somebody else's life that's coming along to do that next workout. So there are so many different ways that you can make a difference in people's lives. So uh, look in your community and see, so how can you do that? How can you make a difference? So you have a great day and I will see you tomorrow.